0: Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Justine Finn is the Director of Relationship, an organization she founded at the Harvard Innovation Lab after receiving the 2016 Harvard Graduate School of Education Entrepreneurship and Education Award. She works with students and teachers to address relationship and sexual violence among middle and high school-aged youth. She facilitates classes, workshops and seminars across the country on gender, media representation and the prevention of sexual and relationship violence. She has previously been a teacher at a women's college in Nanjing, China and a communication specialist and reporter in Chicago. I met Justine in grad school and was inspired by her passion, her drive, her work ethic and the continuous demonstration of how clearly invested she is in her cause. She and I have done a lot of brainstorming on where within the athletic setting this sort of work might be able to appear and I'm glad we got one on tape today. Coaches, tune in for insights on some of the most necessary conversations you can have with your athletes. To find out more about The Good Athlete Project, find us on social media at coach4kindness, the Number that's coach for kindness, or at goodathleteproject.com.
1: Here we are, Jim, we're here at the Harvard Graduate School of Education, and this is where relationship was launched yeah. and much to my surprise I have this organization and I'm the director of it but you know four years ago I never thought that I would be doing this I would have been you know if I had to dream it up working for someone else yeah. because my dad and my stepdad are both small time entrepreneurs up mm-hmm. in Duluth Minnesota and my whole life I've seen the stressors the hassles the failures and I've said like I want nothing to do with that mm-hmm. it's much more efficient to go work for someone else who's already doing it and help them get better so that was my whole thing come to HJC work with others in the field. So what is this work exactly? So K through twelve is this amazing space where all of us in the United States have to go through, right? Like you're required in most states until you're sixteen to go to school. And so you have to go to school, you have to die and you have to pay
0: taxes. Yikes. Right? So it's this <laughs> yeah. really it's
1: this interesting socialization process. Yeah. And there's so many movies and T V shows and you know, people living their lives because of what happened in high school. Mm-hmm. And there's this assumption that especially high school, that it sucks and that it's traumatizing and that it has to be the way it is for a lot of people. And I I really don't think it has to be that way. I think it can be a powerful experience and it can give folks, at least socially, emotionally, um, the launch pad to engage in some of those really meaningful, rich relationships, our love relationships, our family relationships, our friendships. And it does that for a lot of us. But for a big, big part of the population, there's a lot of, Really damaging stuff that happens that goes unchecked. So, I'll back mm-hmm. up a little bit. So, Relationship is an organization that works with middle and high schools, mm-hmm. it works with educators, it works with um, institutions, whether it's a school board or a district, it works with families and coaches, anyone who's a youth influencer, and it works with young people to both address the negative things that happen, whether it's relationship violence, sexual harassment, cyberbullying to address it, to respond to it, to prevent it. And then more excitingly, it works to help cultivate the good stuff, whether it's helping young people develop the skills to engage in healthy relationships, mm-hmm. to know their boundaries, helping schools to understand the policies and the you know, curriculum to advocate for the positive. And so the way we do that is we work with middle and high school communities, um, we travel around the country, we do workshops, we do presentations, we do capacity building. And we also do, you know, some of the nitty gritty, whether it's writing a policy or doing an assessment or survey to find out the strengths and weaknesses of that school and community. Mm -hmm. And then we also do a lot of work with like-minded organizations like the Good Athlete Project to partner, to um, build impact. And, you know, you're probably wondering, like, well, where does this come from? So I'll tell you. So I, I worked for about 15 years in the gender quality Relation to violence, sexual violence space and Mm -hmm. a lot of the work there was working with survivors of violence Mm -hmm. And when most of us think of domestic violence, we think of like someone with a broken bone or black eye, right? And I've worked with a lot of survivors who show that kind of harm But I worked at Tahrir Justice Center and some other organizations and saw a lot of this is emotional It is verbal It's financial and the scars can last so much longer than the physical scars and they affect the family, the home, the way people live their lives.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I also learned that, you know, the impact of domestic violence, just domestic violence on the US economy is ranged from like 12 billion to 1 billion a year. Wow. And you know these stats, like one out of 5 college women experiences sexual assault while in college, mm. one out of 3 women experience sexual assault and domestic violence in their life, between one out of 18 and one out of 33 men experience this. So it's also mm. something that affects men and boys. And so Working with survivors, I just saw that so many people experience this. So many people live in fear of this, of every background, every race, every economic um, strata. And I also saw there's a huge shortage of those organizations, institutions to to even work with survivors. So most domestic violence shelters have wait lists and can only help one out of four people who need their services. So that's Mm -hmm. like whether it's Nutriere, not Nutriere, you're in Skokie, right?
0: Uh, Winneka.
1: Winneka. Yeah. give me. Winneka here in Cambridge. Like, even the domestic violence shelters, which are there for women who can't afford hotels or yeah. don't have friends they can stay with. They're, like, stuffed to the gills, and there's not yeah. enough funding for them. Okay. So then let's move along and think, okay, so if we don't even have enough resources in this country, really wealthy, fabulous country with great laws, if we don't even have enough resources to work with survivors, well, what about going upstream and thinking about how we prevent the need for those services in the first place? Mm-hmm. So having worked in D.C., worked in different communities with survivors responding to the problem. Well, what do we do to stop the problem in the first place? And I know you think about behaviors and you think about motivation. So I'm thinking like, well, what motivates someone to act violently towards someone? Yeah. What motivates somebody to, you know, force them to do something they want to do? And violence is a learned behavior. It's not natural for humans. No one's, you know, made and born, raised a, a bad person. So the question is like, well, how can we unlearn violent behaviors or the need to dominate or control others? Or how about we learn how to be peaceful, loving, respectful, mutually um, engaging folks in the first place? So I did all this work and then I came to Harvard hoping to learn more about the K through 12 space and how can we really address this problem from early on in this institution that everyone has to go through that really socializes folks? Like, how can we? early on address this problem hmm. and uh, I create a relationship because there's not a lot of other people asking this question or finding um, answers to it
0: no I think that's really good I'm, I'm gonna touch on something very quickly Please. just based on our listenership um, and and then we'll continue down the road so I'm this is this is something that I've in the workshops have come to understand there will be people who have who will say um, you made the comment um is essentially is violent natural or unnatural and people will say there will there will be people out there for sure that will say no we are absolutely programmed to be violent and i will say (laughs) having been uh having been paid a very small amount of money but enough to like assume the um title of professional um football player okay having been that person like lived that life um, I will tell you that violence in the way that you and I are referring to it now is not natural, yeah. right? Like we are um, – have we always been physical and, and been able as mobile creatures to like defend ourselves and our family? And it, Of course, we have the capacity for violence, but we're not talking – we're talking about – survival people will be like no we're a violent species bullshit like that's where we are made to survive that's why we developed that but like to inflict things on others that's not like we are a cooperative species that's when we took the next big jump in our evolution was when we learned to like get along so, yes. yeah. Just to clarify, for and Jim's those, gonna
1: come work yeah. for a Relationship. There you go. And you're gonna come to our workshops. You're gonna you're gonna share that because that's exactly it. Yeah. And uh, we're pretty sophisticated as human beings. Alex,
0: I gotta go. I've got a new job. Yep. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Yep. <laughs> you gotta you gotta steer the ship. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Do folks out of survival have mm-hmm. um, their animal natures to lean on? Sure. Mm-hmm. But we have evolved, and we have things like artificial intelligence mm-hmm. and really fantastic coffee that we use five different devices to make. Mm-hmm. We no longer have to. Be in fight or flight. We can be right. in cooperation and harmony. Um, so yeah, absolutely.
0: That's a good. That's a good point. And and I would I would invite anyone who who wants to hear more about that to reach out. Or anyone who's still skeptical, because it's just so true. I actually have this conversation. Like, do we have? Do we all have like an animal just under the surface of us? Like, absolutely. Um, but we. But like when people refer to even no offense to the paleo dieters out there, <laughs> because I think there's there's some value in in some of those thoughts. But like we're referring back to Two times when we did not have the developed cortex that we do now. So that's a very similar-looking and behaving creature to some extent. We're just beyond that. We're, like, deeper and more evolved and more complex.
1: Totally. We, um, all, we have higher nature, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's also, like, what do you fundamentally believe to be true about the human? Is a human just a slightly evolved, you know, um, ape? Yeah. Right? Who just... It has the same rules of competition and the Mm is about like showing off how much you can acquire or how much better you are than your neighbor, then maybe, yeah, you say like violence is part of our nature and we have to be suppressed and we need laws to govern us. Or you might say like we all have a little bit of dignity in us. We all have a little bit of nobility or like something special. Therefore, we need to treat each other like that's true and we need to be more than animals. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. We can act like animals, but we have a higher nature that allows us to be governed by that. And that's what I think with our students, our young people we need to ask that of them and we need to expect that of them Mm -hmm. and I think there's a really great conversation happening especially around men and boys and masculinity Mm -hmm. because I think for a long time that phrase boys will be boys is thrown around as an excuse for whether it's like sexual harassment or boys kind of hurting each other or boys not being as emotionally in cue. and I'm not saying men and women are the same. I don't think they are. They're not.
0: That's fair. I
1: I don't think they're the same, you know, but I think the phrase boys will be boys is acting as if boys are just little animals Mm -hmm. and they are so much more than that, right? Like we we have to have uh, expectations um, and see them as they are, which are like fully developed awesome humans.
0: Yeah. So hundred percent. We just had, um, there's some really interesting stuff. I would I would love to introduce you to someone who I'm super excited to say has just signed on as an advisor to the project. Lisa Feldman Barrett. Is that a familiar name?
1: Yes it is. She
0: wrote a book called How Emotions Are Made. Cool. And it's freaking awesome.
1: Well congratulations.
0: Well thank you. I mean, it, it she's just she's just amazing. So I appreciate that, but yeah. we didn't do much. We're just uh, we just had a great conversation and she has so many things that can um, that can benefit us very quickly let me make a note of this this boys will be boys thing uh because this is why i brought it up the um like her work is all it's so empowering i think you'd really like it actually yeah it's essentially like okay so emotions are very real and they're natural and they're part of what make this thing what it is this like rich tapestry of life yes that was so cheesy alex leave it though (laughs) uh um But she's like, emotions are not, like, this storm that comes upon us and then we have to, like, weather until it passes. Mm -hmm. Like, we have far more agency in our emotions. And it's not necessarily acutely. It's not like you feel sad, just feel happy again. It's as easy as that because it's not that straightforward. But um, so much of of what we feel, so much of the depth of our emotion and, like, happy for you is different than happy for me. We all know that. but like. But happy is this big thing, anyway. Um, it's a it's a process of uh, experiences and like associations to those experiences, and the, and similar experiences lumped together along with their associations. And these things are sort of like built in a very complex way, so yeah. that we have that we interact with things emotionally in certain ways. Um, you say that she she referenced the study of of uh, boys and girls and like even just the gaze, not like the male gaze and yeah. the you know, yeah, but like like literally. Uh, do you follow a child's gaze or do you redirect it toward you? You've heard about this stuff?
1: No, not the redirection. i got to
0: find it for you because it's like very early on. You talk about like boys and girls. And yes. I'd like to go down this road because there is power in that language alone. Yeah. But like uh, very early on they followed, I don't know where the group was from, but uh, young boys would look in a direction and, and the parents' gaze would follow it. Uh, more often than like young girls, even in the same situation, they would they would try to pull it back to them. They would say like, no, this is where you're supposed to be looking. It's really, it's really interesting stuff. And, and
1: that's, you know, like Montessori education mm-hmm. or, um, what is it, Reggio Emilia. It's all about, yeah, yeah. like, child directed,
0: mm-hmm. where
1: it, you follow the child's gaze. Yeah. And if you think about, you know, this is maybe a stretch, but if, if you're like, okay, let's say there's, you know, a little kid playing and you follow him and you see that he's playing with pots and pans and they're like, okay, maybe this could be a great chef. And you kind of see where he leads himself. Uh, that gives that person a lot more confidence and kind of teaches them from a young age that you have capacity to learn as you go and Mm -hmm. I'm going to support you in the process versus a lot of girls research shows especially girls who perform well in school have a very hard time with risk and doing Mm -hmm. things they may not be good at yeah so if the girl's been told again and again like no focus on this Um, you're good at this or you know our family does this there's a lot less confidence there in taking risks
0: Totally. So cool, Jim. So, so you can, and it just, it, it when she said that, it clicked me. I'm like, because we, we, I mean, it was a conversation that, that was had here. It's like how much of this is, go you back know, paleo stuff. How much of this is like in us evolutionarily? Because there are differences, and how much of it is built. And it's clear to me, at least, that that might be a component of what's built.
1: So can I bring this somewhere? Please do. Okay, so you should have these conversations or here. I mean, I would love if, and I'm sure you do already, Jim. You do, but conversations around gender and relationships and dating, hooking up and sex with okay. kids, because it's really interesting when you talk to them. Yeah. Um, this is
0: what like your workshop? would. Yeah. Work, so yeah. a
1: workshop where like, you know, the conversations you have in the more social spaces before and after the workshop mm-hmm. or, you know, when I have, you know, smaller, small group conversations, it's really interesting. Cause even at like 10 and 11, there's some real awareness about the gender roles that they've been asked mm-hmm. to live in yeah. and the lack of fairness. I mean, even at five or six, I have kids saying, like, it's not fair that the boys get to be rough and play soccer in the playground, but mm. no one wants to play with me, so I have to just sit on the swing sets. Mm. Or even research um, here at Radcliffe, the average uh, kindergartner, and this is before the election, asked, the average girl, kindergartner girl asked whether or not a woman would ever be president, said no. And mm. when asked why, the majority of them say it's because boys don't like girls, and they won't vote for a girl to be president. And mm-hmm. this is before our recent yeah, elections. So yeah, it's yeah. like, oh yeah. my gosh, what are we teaching our young kids? So it is not natural for girls to think boys don't like them. It's not natural for boys not to respect girls. So it's really something we're training them. And so when you when you talk about, like, positions of power or representation, it's, it's interesting looking at gender. But then when you talk to our teens and tweens these days about, mm-hmm. like, you know, is it natural for a guy to want to be with a bunch of girls? Hmm. Should girls wait for a guy to reach out before they send a text or whatever? And that is so interesting to hear their thoughts. Yeah,
0: what do they say? It's
1: a little all over the board, but it's kind of similar to what we were talking about when we were teens. So, you know, 10, for you, maybe, you know,
0: four or five, four or five years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting how the conversations haven't changed. I mean, the expression has changed. Kids are hanging out and connecting over social media. Mm-hmm. They still prefer mostly to be face-to-face, though.
0: They do still. Okay. They still
1: prefer. I mean, the initiation, like, if they're going to, like, say, like, hey, you want to get together, I like you. Like, it's a little safer behind mm-hmm. their, you know, fingers, messaging, texting, etc. cetera. But um, it's pretty similar. in the fears and anxieties that girls have around their body and, you know, walking the line between being sexy and being a prude, um, being, you know, harassed. And then the fears and anxieties boys have, like, am I fit enough? Uh, you know, do enough girls like me, um, impressing my boys. Like, there's a lot of pressure on them. Yeah. Oh, and I have to put a couple stats down.
0: Let me hear some stats.
1: For for a framing. So, okay, relationship, you know, we do this work, we're trying to build capacity folks to feel confident addressing Mm -hmm. harassment, sexual violence, um, these problems when they come up, as well as the attitudes and beliefs that contribute to them. So that's really what we're in the business of doing. We're more in the business of kind of shifting minds and hearts Mm -hmm. around how humans interact, heart-to-heart, mind-to-mind, and how we are socialized in our gender roles, right? So what does that mean? Um, We'll get into that. But some of the stats that are important are that, um, well, first off, most K through 12 principals, teachers, coaches aren't trained on how to deal with this stuff. Yeah. And that's a big problem, right? Mm -hmm. Because one out of three teenage girls in a relationship experiences physical, emotional, or verbal abuse. That's one out of three girls who's dating or hooking up or whatever. Yeah. 40% of sexual assault survivors, so 40% of people who have to experience sexual assault, experience it before the age of 18. Wow. And most of them don't tell anybody. So those are the kids you're working with, kids I'm working with. And it's when they're just getting their, you know, thoughts together about what it means to date or hook up, what it means to be hot, what it means to to like someone. And um, 87% of kids in uh, 7th to 12th grade experienced sexual harassment in the previous calendar year and the majority of them said it affected their academic outcomes wait said how many 87% that's a lot it's a lot yeah and majority said it affects whether they felt comfortable going to school affected their sleep their academic outcomes so it's this stuff that's happening it's really rampant we often don't name it we often don't um, measure it and most teachers principals coaches counselors Get zero help, zero preparation, zero training Mm -hmm. on what to do when it happens in their schools. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I came to Harvard. There's 700 graduate students here. Tons of courses on everything. Tons of workshops and everything. And there wasn't a single opportunity while I was here as a graduate student to learn about sexual harassment, relationship violence, and what to do about it in schools. Yeah. So that's why I started relationships. I should have said that earlier, but that—that's what motivated me. I didn't yeah, want to no, start from scratch and build this thing. Um, but there was no one really doing it with schools and helping them. So, yeah. so it's a really common issue. And, and uh, the issue with school is that when we all have to go through school, at least until we're 16, and it's happening. You see it happening to your classmates. You see it happening to your friends. You learn if the teacher doesn't respond, the principal doesn't respond, it's just accepted. It's just how boys and girls act or how girls and girls act or boys and boys act. Mm -hmm. And so as a victim, you learn like no one cares about the problem, put up with it. Yeah. Perpetrator, you learn you can get away with it,
0: Hmm.
1: kind of Me Too style, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. And as a bystander, you're learning like it's not a big deal, don't respond. Because if Shelby throws a chair at Melissa, Shelby's in trouble, right? She should be. But if Shelby sends everybody a nude pic of Melissa and everyone know. knows about it, in most cases, nothing's really happening. So everyone's hmm. learning that that isn't a real kind of harm.
0: So That is...
1: Um, I wanted to make sure to say that because that's I, what we're actually talking about. The, not yeah. That ex- there's really extreme violence and harassment and assault, and we all can get behind it and say that's bad and that should stop. But it's the more nuanced behavior.
0: There's no question. That's so... Um, I mean, that's exactly right. It's true. Um, I'm looking across the way at a, a classroom that I took a class on, um, on like essentially dismantling racism, or like that was the hopeful outcome of the yeah. class. Um, with all things, you didn't do it. Uh, well, racism, <laughs> racism is still here, but you're it was a, but it was an out. important class. Yeah, uh, it, it so often is in the nuance, right? Like like in the way. I'm just going to throw this out there. So, like, racism is not like a bunch of guys running around in white cloaks, right? You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. the obvious stuff. Yeah. Um, the harm that results in, like, a broken bone, like, that's, like, the ob- that's so clear. Yeah. Um, it's the other stuff, the stuff that doesn't have those tangible, really visible outcomes that can be... Um, as damaging and probably we talked about rip- positive ripple effects earlier yeah. like that's the stuff that can ripple into someone's life and experience in, in a host of um, Degrading ways that that's what we got to get in front of And uh, something came up to me though Like it's so important that you're doing the work you do. Okay, and that's not just like that seems obvious enough but like so I would say that uh, it, it's all about like Does your behavior match your goal? schools do you want to stop this stuff like if the answer is yes are you training the people that you're putting around kids to stop this stuff like does your behavior match that or is it like lip service and it it occurs to me that like someone who has gone through their life as an educator or in our case like a coach if they're not given the skills to like deal with that especially when it's something that maybe has happened like via social media and they don't even have a familiar they don't even have the language for that space um, that's a real concern right so this this should happen (laughs) yeah Yeah. i'm with you and acknowledging the opportunity at least and our Uh, poor kids
1: like we can't put it all on them i mean the media that they're given to have the role models whether it's like this is how people date this is how they court or like this is what like powerful attractive men act like and how you often see in the media these men are kind of using women Mm -hmm. to kind of build their social status or just for their sexual prowess and and the other narrative for women and girls is like what you got is what you should show off and it's your physical attractiveness Hmm. and it's you know your sexiness and that comes first and then your your brain your smarts all that other stuff comes second Hmm. um and so it's tough for coaches it's tough for teachers it's tough for parents because we are you know asked to kind of model healthy behavior but also Mm -hmm. kind of run a counter narrative to Mm -hmm. what they're eaten up in you know reality television music social media but if, if not now, when, and if not us, who? Right. Yeah. And the other thing you heard me say this earlier, like anyone who's listening to this you're like, okay, you want me to talk to my athletes or you want me to talk to my friends or, you know, people I work with about like sexual harassment or rape, or like, what do you want to talk about? And I don't, what I want to say, it doesn't have to start with extreme stuff, but it can mm-hmm. talk, start with the everyday stuff. Like if there's really vulgar lyrics on the team bus or coming home from yeah. a, a game or practice. You don't have you can you don't have to like malign or like say oh we can't listen to this music you're bad kids be like oh did you hear that like what does that mean all right we can keep listening to it but like let's just all recognize that this is not a good way to treat women mm-hmm. like this we, bottom line doesn't matter who they are what they're about like we treat people with respect and so you can keep the song playing I'm not saying you have to be the bad guy all the time or bad bad girl um or gal or it can be like locker room talk like people talking about who they hooked up with or you know I hit that etc and you don't have to you know, right there, talk about it. You don't always have to in the moment respond. You can pause and think through, and then at the next practice, the next opportunity with that individual, have a conversation. So the main thing is you don't always have to respond directly. um, You don't always have to respond publicly and shame somebody in front of a group, and you don't have to be the expert or Totally confident, yeah. or say it perfectly. Like, don't let the good, perfect, get in the way of the good.
0: I think that's exactly right.
1: And I think a lot of folks were really nervous talking about these things, even with each other. Like, how many people feel comfortable talking to their friends about hmm.
0: mm-hmm. these
1: intimate, touchy issues, and then bring that down to talking to youth? It's it's pretty tough.
0: It is tough. And and you bring up, um, we've used the word nuance. So like, you bring up a really important point. I think a lot of people when they hear messages like this, they're like, if I hear that song and it's inappropriate, I'm not just gonna shut the thing down and tell everyone they're bad and like stuff like that. <laughs> but there are people, this is true, yeah. and this happens sometimes in the red brick institutions, it's like yeah. it's like shut like unacceptable. Shut it down. Yeah. Um and I think certain things are absolutely unacceptable. If yeah. there's a threat of I mean if, if there's serious bullying going on in the locker room or or sexual like violence, anything of course, yep. right? But recognizing that's kind of, We were talking about scalability off the air. Um, how fancy does that sound, by the way, off the air? Like, we're like on a radio. It does, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. The, but... Um, we are talking about scalability. That's the, so the nuance of what you do and what we, I think, hope to do that's hard to relay in like a template. We couldn't give yes. a piece of paper that says, hey, pay attention to this. Here's when you hard stop, here's when you yeah. don't. And we actually use a metaphor for people. Um, feel free to take this also. Um, it's like if you want to change people's minds, uh, we think of it, we think of thought as like a river. And in many ways, it is. There's like, the, there's momentum, there's some kind of social momentum in these things. So we think of it like a river. And it's like if you are just freaking. Boom, putting down barriers and setting up a dam everywhere what happens is oftentimes it doesn't the dam doesn't work if you keep setting them up it's just like the banks flood and it moves around and stuff like that whereas if you start slowly building up barriers then the river has time to carve a new path and change course right and by the time like it, it, it takes people it takes time it takes yes. people it takes time to change people's minds um, it also w- this is one thing actually that occurred to me in Rick's class um Rick Weisbord, I can see his office from here too, um, is like, you You don't want to. We, we did a case study in one of his classes, and it talked about um, a basketball player or something like that, I think saying something in front of one of his friends about a girl, and what do you say if you're this person? And people are like, you got to stand up and shut him up. But there's a real question of like, when, how do you do that without taking your own legs from out, out from underneath you? Because like, if you are, say, like the captain of the basketball team, people are listening, people care what you say. Do you wanna, do you wanna give up that prep platform in that moment, yeah. or do you wanna use your power to shift? the way relationships are thought of and and the way all that is happening.
1: It's so tricky because, yeah, like, if you have me come into a school or a team or whatever, like, I can lay down the line. Mm -hmm. I can talk about awkward things. I can make 20% of the group feel uncomfortable. I can motivate 20% to, Mm -hmm. you know, work for something good. And hopefully the 60% in between will be moved towards a better standard as well. But then I leave. And so that's why I'm kind of easy to bring in um, and and bring out because you can blame it on me. And then, Mm -hmm. right, and I – and I don't need to maintain that social capital. But as a coach right. or a parent, you have a limited amount of lectures you can give. You have a limited amount of, yes. uh, you know, like correctional behavior. And ideally, what you can do with whether it's healthy relationships or whether it's talking to your players or your your kids in your class or the kids in your family or whoever about um, this stuff is starting out with the positive. Like, what can we build towards? And like, mm-hmm. we can always build towards respect. We can always build towards equality. We can always build towards seeing each other as human beings, regardless of how that person is treating themselves. So one example that comes up a lot in in conversations with young people is like, let's say you're at a party and there's a girl who's passed out drunk and she has made herself totally vulnerable to being victimized. And whether that's like people, you know, bullying her online and posting photos of how drunk she is or her being susceptible to harassment or assault or whatever. So people are like, she set herself up for that. Ideally, people will say, well, she's a human being. Even if she has caused herself harm, I'm still going to help her out. Mm. Like in this country, if someone has smoked cigarettes their whole lives and they have lung cancer, we're still going to help them heal, right? Mm. Yeah. And, you know, ideally as a parent, you can have these conversations about helping people out or as a coach, treating each other with respect. We're all on the same team, um, regardless of even if that person is inviting harm, right? Mm. Or you can have conversations about... um, just like the standard of language, right? Mm -hmm. We we don't use terms that reduce somebody to an object or a body part or uh, a label, right? Um, And you can also talk about what that does to each other, too, because I think it it can be hard to motivate people um, sometimes around, like, how is this affecting the other people? If we call that girl a slut or we share her photo, how is it going to affect her? Um, But you can talk about being people who stand up for respect or what's best and being leaders in the school and if you start with those conversations like this is the expectation for how we behave and my expectations are high for you yeah when you do hear that that something's going on that's not so good or you hear that someone you know on your team isn't treating someone with a lot of respect you can refer to that high standard of conduct right yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: so that's one way to start with it and then you know I, i i think i've told you before there's some great organizations that work specifically with athletics Mm-hmm. and have awesome resources that are free. They have conversation guides. They have three-minute videos you can show your players. Or you can show your team or your department. So you don't have to always be the person coming up with this stuff yourself. Like, right. You don't have time for that. Right, right. <laughs> so go find the people who were paid, who used research, who used focus groups to come up with really good scripts or really good videos and, and bring that into your work yeah. and lighten the load for yourself.
0: Love it. Do you know any of those offhand?
1: Yeah. One is called the, well, one is called starting the conversation mm-hmm. and it was put together by the Texas coaches association. Yeah. So starting the conversation, Texas coaches association. I happen to be on the team. You know, I'll share that bias mm-hmm. who helped develop the scripts and the content, but it's been really well received.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Futures without violence has a, um, coaching, uh, boys into men. Yeah. CBIM coaching boys into men. They have their whole website, great materials, great resources, and there's a ton of other good stuff out there. Mentors in mm-hmm. violence prevention, Jackson Cats, and a lot of this is on YouTube. It's like a five-minute video, totally. three-minute video, and uh, you bring it in, you show it. Maybe you have a conversation about it. Maybe you don't. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing I'll say, Jim. I know you're all about this. You don't have to go all the way through the lecture, all the way through the curriculum. Sometimes just being a coach or a man in someone's life or woman in someone's life who who takes a small stand. Yeah. Or gives a look can that's go right. a long ways yes you don't have to have the whole long conversation the way i do yeah <laughs> or the way jim can do it right yeah
0: no that, that's so that's really really valuable like um just your reaction to something or a look if you are a powerful model in a space okay. for example i not this is what i hope to be I, I this is what i hope to be if we hear that kind of music in the weight room say or at practice or something like that and people like sing along it, it doesn't take like we don't like like we said before we don't shut the thing down and scold everybody and whatever mm-hmm. but it could be like if the kids think you do know what you're talking about even mildly if you have credibility on the football field yeah. if that's the only place you have it yeah then a subtle like like squint and like dude you're better than that sort of thing yep. we'll go and then walk will go and that's it right yep. you're, you're implanting things from what should be a powerful model yep. uh th- that will that will continue on um
1: and can I put one other thing out there? Please do. If anyone... I mean, again, this might be a tricky thing to do. Because, like, even when I talk to parents about having the talk with their kid...
0: The talk? The talk, which okay. is what
1: it usually is. Only right. half of parents talk to their kids about sex. Hmm. Half. Half of them talk hmm. to their kids about sex. And usually it's like a one and done thing. When they're 16, it's too late. Because kids right. are already, you know, looking at pornography at, like, age 10, 11. Yeah. And that's where they, You know. So... Even if you're just a resource That's for that a podcast person. Right, there, by the right way. well, we should do it. We let's, should let's have a whole conversation okay. there. Um, you know. and even <laughs> the athletics and pornography, there's a whole realm of that too. I hear um it. But if you let's say like the beginning of the year or like some point in the season, maybe it's like, okay guys, October is domestic violence awareness month. You could say, All right, it's domestic violence awareness month, so we're gonna watch this three-minute video, we're all gonna be leaders, da-da-da. You've opened yourself up to be a resource for that young person mm-hmm. so let's say something's going on in their own family or they know something's going on with a friend or they need help or they have a question they're like i have a girl and i don't want to get like locked up i want to know what is consent what isn't consent if she's yeah. drinking blah, blah, blah. like if you show any ability to have a conversation about this grounded in reality without a ton of harsh judgment yeah you might change a couple kids lives just by being that person yeah yeah because most kids, as you see, like, only half parents talk to their kids about sex. Most kids don't even have anybody in their life who's an adult that they could go to.
0: Especially not about stuff like that. Even if you have, like, even if you're having the conversation, how many of, how many versions of the talk include how many beers is too many beers? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's, the, right. It, most of the talk, and you know Rick says this is disaster prevention. Don't get right. anybody pregnant. Right. Don't get an STI. Right. Girls don't get pregnant. Right. But we don't really say to our boys, like, Boys, you know, don't get anybody pregnant and um, make sure you get consent and you need to get consent as well, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, and a lot of this stuff too is like we never think of, for example, an athlete potentially being a victim of this stuff. Yeah. And part of the training that I do is helping educators and all of us think beyond the typical scenario, the most extreme scenarios, and realize that there might be a lot of men and boys who had dealt with this in their lives could deal with this, and we need to help them as well.
0: So good. I'm making a note. I did. Um, are there any other months? I want to think of like, because another thing that that occurs to me is that that uh, w- like when to insert this. Are we waiting for a? Um, yeah or or like a bad song to come on to have a conversation like but October is domestic violence awareness month like even like people post on social media whether we think that's making things better or worse doesn't matter because that's what people are looking is there anything else like that is there a
1: sexual assault awareness month in April okay again the Texas Coaches Association has these you know 45 minute three-part series curriculum you can use Mm -hmm. they have handouts they have you know five-minute videos I would say early on in the season, just say one thing I want to introduce is this concept of um, being leaders in our personal lives and being leaders in the school when it comes to treating each other with respect. That applies to our personal relationships. That applies to our intimate relationships. And uh, you you could just stay there and be like, and you could say a few more things about it and that could be it. Yeah. Um, Or you could introduce it in a more sophisticated way. Um, A lot of, times, it's after the fact, after a crisis has Something's occurred, up, right, a scandal, right, right. Yeah. maybe it's another team, you know, lacrosse team has an incident or the swimming girls have something going on. And those are great teachable moments too. Totally. But if you can have already had a conversation about the high standard that you have for your athletes, that you really believe in them, that you know that they can, even if it's like saying, you know what, if you guys are at a party and you see something happening, I want you to do something about it. Even if it doesn't mean interrupting or intervening right then maybe it means calling in another one of your friends who knows right. the couple or whatever um i think if you have that early on it's a lot easier to bring up yeah later on. Does That's that
0: t- i think it makes incredible sense so setting a standard so we we talk about this all the time i think too often people are kind of floating through the world with this abstract idea of what good is what leadership is what healthy whatever it is um we don't we try not to judge certain things we judge like the the terrible is terrible. Yep. Um
1: The illegal is legal. The illegal if is legal. Yeah, when, no. when it comes to sex and relationships, a lot of schools, communities have a hard time taking a stance because they're like, Well mm-hmm. I don't maybe she likes that. Maybe she likes being groped or maybe Maybe. maybe he, yeah. right? Like they're like, Oh, maybe he likes that that his nude photo is being distributed amongst the whole team. But okay. it's against the law. So it's, so it's not, like we yeah. can take a stance there. So you I'm with you.
0: That's exactly right. Um, and then well, and then everything else, I think this is one of, one of the things that we try to uh, equip teams and coaches with is um, a set of goals and actionable habits for the sake of um, asking this question routinely. Does your behavior match your goal? Yes. And one thing that we do in our workshops is like you, you've talked about the standard. I think it's so good. If the standard is, and I might pull up a, no, I'm not going to pull up a PowerPoint. If the standard is, say it's win a conference championship. Yeah. Fine. If that's what you want, then let's, let's help you get there. And then we build out until we get to actionable habits. And our, I think our obligation as coaches is that, is that once we get just below the tangible, that this entire network of, of design is going to help people be better in other areas of their life. So like whether it's um, just healthy habits like getting enough sleep and things of that nature or conduct. Behaviors, right? We don't do this, and and we work through this logistical uh, progression. So it's like we don't do this kind of stuff because this is important to us, because we are important to each other, because we want to do this, and like if and if that's all you need, you've all of a sudden and not to get super lame on this, but now just by having people think through it. Why is this important? Well, if nothing else, it's going to get me closer to a championship. Yeah. Now, that is not why people should not do terrible things, obviously. Yeah. But to have walked that path through like the forest of our minds a couple times before you're presented with an incident is super helpful.
1: So helpful, yeah. and you're building their capacity to be whole humans, right? Yeah. Like, and, I like that. Term. And even you know, okay, let's say you aren't super confident having conversations about you know sex, or harassment, or respect, or equality, or consent, or any of this stuff, mm-hmm. you can have them as an activity, watch a three-minute video on YouTube, listen to a three-minute song that they're all really into, and this could be yeah. a 15-minute locker room talk, Yeah, have have a quote, have a question, and just see what they think. And you don't necessarily have to take a stance on it, right? You don't have to be the person to deliver the punchline. Um, but you could just say, like, do you think the music we listen to affects our behavior? That could be a conversation on one another. One locker room talk. Another one could be, do you think that this um, video is offensive to anybody? And do you think it affects us? Is it okay for us as leaders to share this with each other? Like, and then it, could, it can be a conversation. And that is developing the capacity for them to identify issues and solve them together. Um, and that's kind of safer than, for some folks than you know initiating the conversation.
0: Totally agree. I've got an idea, by the way. Locker room talk. You and I host uh, like a focus group, do exactly that exercise with a group of kids, and is, it's a podcast, it's a video, and those things go online. Let's do it. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, let's and do we'll it. And we'll call it locker room talk. That's awesome. Based on um, topical.
1: That would be amazing.
0: Conversation, and I'll
1: have viewers or listeners. They're not viewing anything. Check out that Texas Coaches Association link with starting the conversation because the videos feature three groups of students, um, not students athletes having kind of a locker room talk mm-hmm. about this stuff and about the really nuanced stuff, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, even, like, the pressure. I think I think some athletes feel a lot of pressure, especially male athletes, especially if they're successful or popular, to have a lot of sexual mm-hmm. power and prowess, right? And I think some, I've heard this before, like, some really successful athletes feel pressure to kind of share their, like, their success stories in the locker room. So if they, like, hook up a lot or... Um, like the, the the other guys on the team want to hear how it went, or they want to yeah. like, yeah. right? And they so sometimes they participate in behavior they don't really want to participate in, but because the expectation is, is like quarterback, you're attractive, you can get whoever you want at the school. You, you better tell us how it went, how it goes. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, so yeah, there's yeah. a lot of pressure that exists. on each other.
0: That exists, um, yeah.
1: But, Jimmy, yes, I want to get back to what you said. I would love to do that. Let's do locker room. Do you I, have, people it seems who, you, you have any Yeah, of mind? course,
0: of course. Oh,
1: that would be so fun. I think
0: that would be really cool. Yeah. I think that would be fun. So that, let's, Alex, keep it, and, and I really want to...
1: He's putting a challenge on for me to really get this done.
0: I think that could be so cool.
1: And I'm telling you, like, it's not hard to get young people to have these conversations. No, they
0: like to talk about that stuff. They
1: love to, and yeah. they often don't get asked. Yeah. But they're, like, so eager. Once yeah. you make it real and about their real lives... Yeah. Even if, you know... Jim, you've seen this stuff, and I know you've done a lot of good work with this on like emotions and masculinity. Mm -hmm. Um, Even asking like, you know, what does it mean to be a man? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be a real man? Yeah. And a lot of a lot of the guys will like break it down and say like, well, there's like the fake version, and then there's the real version. Yeah. And that can be a great conversation Mm because you can have a side conversation. Well, what does it mean to be a real man when you're with somebody in an intimate or a you know personal situation what does that look like right and so that's a whole conversation
0: no question all right i'm gonna ask you a hard question now
1: yeah
0: um going back to that that line how many beers is too many beers like high school athletes college athletes listen to this college coaches too should be informed on this yeah um the first thing i'm going to say is that like going back to like does your behavior match your goal you're a high school athlete how many beers is too many beers um if you're trying to win a championship and um staying eligible for the season and not violating the athletic code like zero right so you don't trip on your own feet trying to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish but let's just say people are going to drink anyway um how how best to navigate that situation if there is a best way With or things consent? to keep in mind yeah
1: well thing is bottom line the person needs to be able to give consent So they need to be able to be in a state of mind to make a decision and be able to communicate what the decision is. And so what do you need to be able to make a decision? And Jim, you can probably do this with your framework, right? Like you need to consider consequences. You need to be able to have the ability to say yes or no and not be worried about the power or impact that could have on you. So consent can be given um, when there's like mutual respect, authority, you're age is appropriate like it's you can't give consent if someone's 19 and someone's 15. Right. Right? Because right. there's that age difference. Or someone's 30 and someone's, you know, 15 like even if the person says yes willfully, they signed the document, legally that's not consent because right. there's that power dynamic. So they
0: can make, right. So right.
1: consent, you know, there's like the ability when um, you're in a situation to give consent is defined you know by your clarity of mind, um, how much real agency or power do you have to say no, hmm. to say yes. Um, whether you are legally able to give consent or receive consent from that person. And some of the signs are like, is that person slurring their words? Is that person sitting up straight? Is that person really, really tipsy? Like that is not a good place for someone to make that kind of decision. Sure. Um, And so I think a lot of students might say, well, it's really hard to know. Like, I think you can kind of tell in your gut. People actually have Mm. pretty good gut sense. When you feel like something's fishy happening with your friend at the party and she or he is kind of pulling someone into another room and that person's looking like, really out of it. Yeah. You usually have a good gut check that says something's something's not right. But a lot of us say, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Or I'm not the best person. Or shoot like I don't want to be a cock block. And so yeah. most of us don't do anything because we we go against our gut.
0: hmm That's interesting. But and your gut's so be right. Your gut's so going so be right. Your gut might be right. And and I I gotta throw this out there. I'm also interested in providing something for um people who don't have good gut sense. Oh, please, so, yes. Because like if it just doesn't ring true to you, it doesn't, that you don't escape, um, not culpability, but like you still have a, uh, yeah. Yeah. even if it doesn't ring terribly true, you still have a like ownership. You have a moral of
1: standard and then you have a legal standard.
0: That's fair. And I would say there's a logical standard too. And yeah. this is what I've told people before and I want to hear what you say about it. Um, essentially, and this is primarily talking to men or, yeah. or young men. Yeah. Um, like if if the person does not want to hook up with you sober, then like then this is wrong. So like just wait till the morning. Jim Listen, Davis, is this that, is so good. Isn't it so? Yes. Isn't it that straightforward? Yes. It's like so, and, yes. and and then, and they start to question their own logic progression because it's like I didn't know if she was this or that or. Um, okay, wait, well so then wait till the every morning. Every country
1: song about like drinking and sex and getting women is probably not sending the best message.
0: Is, this, is that what country music's oh, like?
1: No. I, noticing I country don't. music, a lot of country music's good, but a lot of it's like she needs whiskey, to get a little frisky, like a oh. lot of the message is like using alcohol as a tool to get okay. women to have sex with you.
0: Okay, but so you're the, saying right. if you need
1: to use alcohol as a tool to get somebody to have sex with you, 100% you shouldn't be using that as a tool. 100% okay. and,
0: and this is, so this, so and here's, and here's like, cause I've been in these, like literally these shoes. Um, like okay, if if the person is like whatever awkward around you, say awkward around you. And like okay, we're gonna like we're gonna get drinks and it's gonna make it less awkward. Fine, get to know each other over drinks, and then uh, the next time around, make the decision. Or uh, I don't know tonight. I just like if, if there's if there's a seed of doubt, like water the seed, like yeah. like in, like engage the doubt and wait till the morning, and. Like if you think of, you don't always want to have to go to the extreme. You don't be like overly dramatic about it, but like, but the what if must exist. Like yep. what if this is a terrible decision? Can you stave it off for 12 hours? Well,
1: here's, can I yeah, post yeah. something else? Yeah. A lot of people think consent just is required for sex that involves penetration of some sort. Okay. Consent is required for a whole range of intimate behavior. Sure. Consent, and again, people are like, "Do I have to ask consent to kiss?" Hmm. I'm not going to say yes or no on that, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you can sense a lot of what's happening when you reach to cuddle with somebody or hold somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, many different levels of intimacy can occur right. before, you know, probably what most people think is required for consent, right? Yeah. And you can read a lot into that. Yeah. And if you're not in the state to read either you're mm-hmm. not in the state to give consent. If yeah. you are not with it enough to be able to tell whether or not he or she is really receptive or interested, point. you probably shouldn't be moving yeah. forward as well. Um, so that's really important to know. And you know, once consent has been given one time, doesn't mean it's a free pass for every time. Right. There's a great, oh, hey, anyone who wants to have a conversation with consent, look at the T video on YouTube. It's, the video. It has like millions and millions of views okay. and it's, Kids love it. I show it to all ages, not all ages, but there's a clean version and unclean version, okay? The unclean version has a lot of swearing, so look for the clean version. Consent tea video, and it uses tea as a metaphor for consent, and it has, like, everything you need to know. Yeah. So show them this free YouTube video in three minutes. You can have a conversation about it, Um, or watch it yourself. It'll make you more ready to have that conversation.
0: I like it.
1: And I'll say, like, it's hard to answer, like, how many beers is too many, because one individual versus another individual that's too hard of a conversation.
0: And it was almost a trick question, but you fielded yeah. it beautifully. Well, that's good to it's like, You know what I mean? Cause it's like, yeah, it's not like, okay, at, before three drinks, like all clear. And that's just know, not a thing.
1: But Jim, what you talked about was also motivation around it. Like if you're motivated, like what is motivating you within well, this is just general human behavior. Like what mm-hmm. is motivating you to interact with this human being? Like that's a good thing to get a sense of first yeah. too. Um, And if you feel any pressure or, you know, like Rick Weisberg's organization, Making Caring Common, has really great resources on how to have conversations around sex and respect as well. Like they developed a great toolkit. But I do like how he, him and his research has kind of broken down the myth that everyone's okay now.
0: Hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. Because most yeah.
1: college athletes, not athletes, sorry, I'm using the word athlete all the time, most college students think that like everyone is hooking up. Like eighty percent of their peers are, you know, having some kind of physical intimacy each weekend. And it's only like fifteen to yeah, twenty percent. So most a of lot style. of kids have pressure, they think everybody at prom is gonna do it, they mm-hmm. have to do it. So they end up putting themselves in situations where it's like, if I don't get him or her to do it, then I've failed prom. When it's oh, like, well, yeah. Would you be happy just making out or even just having a great conversation? Um, maybe you would be if you realize that most of your peers aren't actually doing it. So huh.
0: I like that. I like that. And, and, and what I especially like, that, and you can use the word athletes. but um, and, <laughs> and one of the reasons I, I like using the word athletes is because so frequently within that space there's goal-directed behavior motivation yes. oh, and if yes. and if you define it seems like if you define your goals in this space in the relationship space clearly then like upholding them then becomes a thing if you yes. just have this like 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 this abstract con- concept of like I ought to be hooking up it's just now you can talk about the logic of it how it's flawed in so many ways how not everyone's doing it how like it would you do it at the risk of like potentially not wrecking, but, like, negatively, severely negatively impacting someone's life. Yeah. Like, is it worth that much to you? Is that your goal? Um, yeah, the conversation exists there in a, in a potentially more structured way.
1: And, and one way I've seen it done is, like, I love how you talk about it. You, there's so much that you, I like that you do, um, and that would be great for schools or communities with the stuff I do. So we need to learn from each other more. I need I to learn it. from you more. But... You know, one thing that you see is really effective, as you said, is, like, looking at the behaviors you need, the qualities we need to be successful to to win towards our goals. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we need to, like, push our boundaries. We need to be unstoppable. We need to um, dominate. We need to, like, use a lot of this aggression and power to win our opponents. Mm -hmm. And so something a coach can say is, like, that is all what makes us exceptional athletes and winners. But that is never okay when it comes to intimate and personal relationships. It's, like, actually you need the opposite. To be successful in intimate personal relationships, you need to collaborate. Mm-hmm. You need to get rid of any competition, right? Like, it's not like, you know, one of you is the gas and one of you is the brakes. Yeah. Right? You need to get rid of any domination, any kind of like all or nothing, winning or losing. And it needs to be much more fluid yeah. and uh, less goal focus, as you said. Or maybe your, yeah. your goal was like learning how to talk to somebody, et cetera.
0: That's right. Well, well you could even, I don't want to like overdo this, but like, um, I don't, like, you could say, like, our goal is to have, like, a healthy communicative relationship. And then you, because then you you can just come back to yourself, like, was I being a prick today at lunch? You know what I mean? Like, was I actually trying to communicate in a healthy way? Um, That seems valuable to me, too. Anyway, okay, yes, symposium.
1: Oh, yeah, so something really exciting, and I also wanted to mention an organization called CONFI. www.confi.co, so it's c o n f I.co. Great, especially for um, college athletes, but there's wonderful discussion guides, resources, videos about everything from consent to um Prophylactics to healthy relationships and that's really wonderful curriculum as well. Okay. So this organization along with a relationship are co-hosting a symposium called Name It, Face It, End It, Educating to End Sexual Violence. And it's here at Harvard on Friday, September twenty first, starting with a lunch and ending with a keynote speaker in a reception. So cool. And it's free and open to the public. And so awesome. folks can fly in, um, folks can, you know, come for the day, come for the weekend. Jim, we would love for you to be there. We want a good athlete project there. I love it. And uh, it's a great opportunity. If it's the first time you've ever had conversations on healthy relationships, on consent, on respect, fantastic. If it's something you've done for a while, fantastic. And we're going to have a K-12 track and a higher ed track. So good. And my co-organizer is here. Do we want a word from her?
0: I think, I think please, come on. Are it? you referring to Helen? Rachel. Oh, okay. I I should,
1: <laughs> okay. <I> should.
0: <laughs> you should both, all three of you.
1: So it's the symposium here at Harvard, Friday, September twenty-first, from noon till about eight p.m. Open to the public. It's going to be fantastic. It's the second year we've done it, and uh, we'd love for people to come.
0: Love it. We will. Um, if you've got anything, we'd be happy to push Thank it you. out there for sure. Do you Biowash. think
1: maybe Good Athlete Project can come in some way?
0: Uh, I think we could probably <laughs> represent in some I way. I am. I am going to be. Materials. Seasoned. I'm going to be in season, um, but yeah, if there's a new way to help, I'd be happy to. Great. For sure. Hi. Do you have anything to add, Helen?
1: So who do we have here, Jim? <laughs> who just entered the room and entered the uh, the interview?
0: So standing about two foot six, <laughs> Helen is easily the biggest presence in the room. I would Yes. fully agree. Well done.
1: This is Helen Finn Barrett. She's at my 14-month-old. I... Um, I her just months after launching Relationship. There you go. Yeah.
0: Do you, um, does she, do, can she talk?
1: Yeah, she can. She can she say, say
0: Relationship?
1: No, she can only say about five words, but, hi, honey. <laughs> That's good. Hi. Do you want to say hi? <laughs> do you want to say anything else, honey? I know she'll say a little more maybe. Hi. Yeah.
0: yeah, what else do you think? There you go.
1: Give her a little more time. Yeah. maybe it's great for another conversation with another person but um, I think athletes sometimes feel like hey like why are we the ones in the school building being talked to about Mm -hmm. consent or healthy relationships but it's not necessarily because you're the ones who are most likely to do it but because they're often seen as having this social capital and being models for what is and isn't okay and really kind of setting the norms for often like I'll say for male athletes like heterosexual um Behavior Like, this is, like, like yeah. how the real men act. These are the real guys. So, you know, like, as a coach or as somebody who has some little bit of influence, even if it's just a shred, research shows, like, if you can get this group to shift a tiny bit or individuals with this group to shift a tiny bit, it really does have that ripple effect.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so it's not like we're singling you out as the bad guys. We're singling you out as the guys who have this influence. And so I think that's also a way to have a conversation yeah um,
0: do You disagree, honey? <laughs> Got some thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I th- I think that's really I think that's really you're totally right. So you also like when you have these, you like the 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 goal is not to put people on edge and be like um what's wrong with you? That's okay. Yeah, this will okay, be this will okay. be totally No, go ahead. Okay. Um the goal is not to be like <laughs> the goal is uh the goal is not to be like, and this is true because I, I was in, listen, I was in a fraternity and I played football in college and like, like,
1: I things. was part
0: of those interventions. Um,
1: you know, believe it or not, even if they roll their eyes at you, even if they like give you hard time mm-hmm. and they don't re- seem like they're receiving the information well when you talk about respect or women or whatever, you often have a really lasting impact. Totally. Um, even if you're awkward about it, even if, you know... They don't receive it well. You yeah. might be like the one person in their life that they're gonna listen to on this. Yeah. And two, you might be the one person in their life to actually say something on this. Because in sex ed they're not gonna talk about it. No. Parents aren't gonna talk about it in the schools generally it don't This doesn't happen do for your history class. That's
0: that's one like this conversation no. in particular feels so appropriate for um, for the athletics realm. Like yes. there is a person, there is a strong model for you who you'd like to think at least if you go to like uh, at least what we've seen in, in coaches is like a strong oftentimes potentially commanding presence you want that person to say listen this is how it's done that other kind of this certain sorts of behavior are unacceptable this is i love this. <laughs> the, um, but yeah but those are the people that have that conversation and, and and uh to go back to your point of i don't remember what this there's another study out there and you might know the answer to this, but um, it was a female professor. I'm not sure from which school. Essentially, um, to to make to enhance her ripple effect, yeah. I ident- did a s- surveyed all the students, identified who the greatest carriers of social clout were in the atmosphere, and directed interventions toward those students, oh, and saw really positive outcomes. Wow. So there, there's great front. There's a lot of front end work, yeah. like in stuff like that. But, like again, do you want to, like you want to be impactful? So yep. like do the front end work and and I think one one easy way to you could make some assumptions like you could you could have a, a ton of opinions on like whether it's right or not that we hold athletes to a certain standard of like celebrity or whatever you can have your opinions and there's no right or wrong in that discussion. Yep. but the truth in that discussion is that we do yep. so like um Just so identifying athletes, like again, athletes out there listening. One reason that they are the focus of a lot of this talk is because what they say does matter. Oftentimes, in the the high school ecosystem, the social ecosystem, at least, if the if the starting quarterback walks down the hall, like people are looking, and that, and again, you could say that's right or wrong, but it's what's happening. Um, So their behavior matters. Interventions pointed there matter as well.
1: And and you know, research also says uh, that folks who are part of team sports. You know in high school et etc do go on to have often you know professional personal social political capital in their life because yeah. they've yeah. learned how to be on a team and they've learned how to you know all these kind of intimate uh, interpersonal dynamics that make yeah, you a great like team that. whether yeah. it's like knowing yeah. when to pass the ball or you know all this stuff makes them often professionally successful so if you yeah. can have influence on them at this age you're going to affect them in college yeah. affect them you know in their their later life and even if the only thing you do as a, a coach is get them to believe a survivor,
0: yeah, that this Ooh. is a problem, yeah,
1: that you know one out of three girls in your school who dates or whatever is going to experience this, if if it happens to someone you know, to believe them, yeah, right. And the most difficult thing is like looking at your athletes and seeing them as potential perpetrators of this stuff is really tough yeah. because the majority of people who cause this kind of harm are really good guys yeah. who don't mean to do it and, and never meant to like ruin someone's life or destroy someone's reputation or cause them to have, you know, these issues. They're often really good guys. And so th- that is also part of the conversation. It's demystifying the harm. And it's not only the guy in the bushes or the total jerk. Yeah. It's like... People who just want to hook up, trying yeah. to follow a script about what that looks like mm-hmm. and uh, are, are kind of choosing their goal versus the more positive goal of, of respect or, or goodwill. But yeah. I think that's an important message as well. It's like believe survivors when it happens and yeah. then also see that anybody can be a perpetrator and anyone can be a victim.
0: Yeah. I think it's. I think that's really I think that might be, that's the perfect point to bring this kind of full circle is like, well first of all, the language we use is essential. Uh, I think one of the reasons it's uncomfortable for people to have the conversation is because they don't, like you said, want to think of their people as perpetrators. Like if you are with, say you're a high school coach and you've been with, and you've got a senior on your team. You've been with this kid for years, countless hours. You don't want to think of that kid as a perpetrator. So, and this is another way that we enter those sorts of conversations. We say, we we try to steer away from words like that. Yeah. Like, just like in the in the eyes of the law, like that is what's going on. But it's more like this is a probably not a terrible kid making dumb decisions yeah. at three a.m. Yeah. Like like I, if you had to like you said there are sadly there are people waiting in bushes. That's one far end, and it's a terrible end of the spectrum.
1: It's only twenty percent.
0: Right, right. And you really talked about before, like uh, convincing people in the middle. This is Rick. Should we pick up? Yes. Rick, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm very good. I'm here with Justine, actually. We are um, we're in Gutman recording a podcast about talking about relationships um, within <laughs> athletics. So, great you time. It. Hi, um, Rick. Hi,
1: Justine. I've been sharing your <laughs> video. Because, I've been sure, sharing, yes? yeah, I've been using um, your stuff a lot. I've told you that a few times, but I've been using your your stuff, your um, Making Caring Common stuff on the talk on gender, and also your three-minute video on the talk about love and kids and sex. Well, I'm very honored. I showed Thank it to a bunch so of high school, you know that one for parents? That's about like how we have conversations, and we need to have more than just disaster prevention, but prepare them for meaningful, loving relationships, you know that one?
0: Yeah.
1: I share that with a bunch of high school students. What did they think? They loved it. Did they? Yeah, it was actually, I was like, yeah. this is for parents. This is, like, usually for the adults in your life, but I'm going to share it with you all. And they were. it really got them going, and they they were just, like, they just didn't want to stop talking. So, thank you. Well, you made
0: my year. Thank you so much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, listen, I'm not going to interrupt. I you're won't interrupt you. Guys. Sorry. I'll, you're good. We'll talk, we'll talk later. Thanks, Rick. Bye, Rick. Bye. Bye-bye. Um, all right, so. Uh, last we we have a lightning round question. It takes like oh, a minute. Or so. Alex,
1: Alex, like also Alex. I don't know <laughs> you, but we made it so hard for you to do your job because I used to do um, transcribing for a poverty research project in Chicago, and uh, it's really hard when you have to like keep editing and. Da, 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 yeah. So sorry about that.
0: Well, we'll, we might be able to keep some of the quirky stuff. True. Sure. Can I you have some? Yes, come. Have you had this before? No. The texture is incredible.
1: Helen, do I, oh no,
0: too young. Too young. Um, <laughs> I have two pieces, you mind? No, prosperity have, lifestyle. I have eight pieces if that you'd like. Thank you. Um, mm. All right, so I have one lightning round question. Yes. Um, how was the Taylor Swift concert?
1: It was really fun.
0: Tell, tell me more.
1: All right, so I wasn't the biggest Taylor Swift fan beforehand. I loved like the funness of her music and how positive it is, but I thought she was kind of contrived. Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple of the takeaways: one, she's an amazingly talented person. I don't think people get that successful without a lot of talent and a lot of hard hard work. And she's Mm -hmm. very athletic. I mean, two hours of nonstop dancing and moving and singing, Uh, fantastic. Great storyteller, Um, but it was more of a visual experience than it was a music experience. I love concerts, Rated Head, Metallica, whoever, and I love like Mm -hmm. Moshing, but this was more about like the visual impact than like the actual music. Another takeaway was she had a really diverse dance group who had mm-hmm. all different types of body shapes and like men with long hair and a girl with short hair and she introduced her backup of singers mm-hmm. and introduced every dancer by name cool. and they got a moment on the screen so I thought that was cool uh, but at the end of the day definitely is a very produced production mm-hmm. I think she says the same things at every show to kind of sure. she knows how to win vulnerability Where she's like I'm getting really emotional with you guys and I'm really opening up and you're like okay you've done that with everybody but it's working and I love you but and I, I want to be yeah, you yeah. and I want to go back to your concert tomorrow night so it was really yeah. fun really fun very cool yeah
0: alright well so here's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this um, episode one podcast done but you are invited uh, you're invited back whenever you've got something to talk about if you have a workshop experience that you want to talk through um I think capturing this stuff, you, like, like we said, ripple effect and, and, and just building the language, you, we don't know who this is going to help. And the, and the short answer is maybe no one, but if thousands of people are listening to the podcast, um, likely someone
1: awesome. in, in a
0: way that we can't quantify. So come back anytime.
1: Thank you for the invitation. I'd love to be here. And, and can I have two yeah, questions? Please, please. One, if anyone has any uh, questions, feedback, uh, passionately disagree, I would love to to hear from them and learn yeah. from them and maybe Jim there's a world in which we can have a group of coaches or athletes who have advice for relationships who can love say it. you know what this is what we're missing these are the opportunities to really influence towards good behavior these are the really fantastic um, moments when we can address negative stuff and we're not mm-hmm. doing it so I would love to even do a focus group or an interview or um, a podcast with anyone that you know who could help me do it better help us do it better that'd be great yeah Thanks so All much. Right. Keep up going. Awesome here.
0: work. This week's episode is brought to you by Remind Recover. Remind Recover is a supplement that helps athletes support brain health. Similar to how you drink a protein shake to help your muscles recover after a workout, Remind Recover has been scientifically formulated to give you the nutritional building blocks to help support healthy brain function. I am a huge fan of Remind Recover. It is as close to the science as any supplement I've seen. And feel free to check out their website for more. It's RemindRecover.com. And when you go there, if you want to place an order, and I recommend it, use the code GOODATHLETE for a discount on checkout.